this morning we're not going to be in Acts. We're going to be in John 15. And as I was preparing for this morning, um, I felt like I was preparing a teaching for a wedding. So when, when you're asked to officiate a wedding as a, as a Christian minister, um, you're at, part of that, part of being a Christian minister, is, is there's typically a sermon at, as part of the, the ceremony, which is always a really unique um, sermon to write. Because here are two people, and the, the day is all about them, and it's all about their covenant, or all about the bride, right? Let's be real. And, but, but it's all about them, the marriage, the, the covenant. And as you're preparing the, the teaching, um, as I'm preparing the teaching, actually, I really enjoy officiating weddings. Um, and I really enjoy listening to God and praying beforehand, asking, what would you like to share? Like, what would you like me to share today as a blessing for them? Um, on, on this day. And it's a little bit unique to teach in that setting. And that's what I felt like this morning. So for those of you who were baptized this morning, those of you who were welcomed as covenant members um, this morning, I feel like this is a gift for you this morning. Like this is, this is God's uh, gift for you in a, in a special way. And I hope that everyone is blessed and encouraged uh, by the teaching. But I really felt drawn to speak directly to those who went through baptism and became a covenant member. So we're going to be in John 15 this morning. And I've been thinking about this passage for quite some time now and saving it, saving it for today. And I'm sure I'm going to be talking more about these concepts in the future. So this is, this is the night before Christ was crucified. He's in the upper room with the disciples, about to go to his death. He knows this. He knows what's going to happen. The Lord has revealed that to his son. He knows what's coming. And so I asked the kids this when we were going through the baptism class. If you had one night to live, what would you say to the people you love? So for Jesus, we have the answer to that question. So he had one night to live, and this is what he chose to say. Think about that. This is how Christ chose to spend those last precious moments with with his disciples. This is what he has to say. Now, chapter 15 is part of a long uh, section of Jesus' teaching. This is right in the middle. It starts at 13, and it ends at 17 in chapter 15. So this is like, this is the high point of the teaching. This is the center point. And, and it's profound what he says. He says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. A couple of quick things about this. Jesus is saying, if you're going to 
to follow me, you must abide in me, cling to Jesus, right? Be, spend your life clinging, listening, clinging to the vine, seeking his word, seeking his will, uh, seeking to follow, follow after him. And if uh, we don't, there's this, this very serious warning that, that those who don't bear fruit in keeping with the vine and keeping with Jesus are, are pruned and cut off and thrown into a fire. So, so it's like the scattering of the seeds in the parable, right? Some seeds fell upon rocky soil. Some seeds fell upon in, in the thorns. And at first they spring up, but then the worries of the world choke them out and they die. There's not an abiding presence with Jesus. The, the seeds that fall in this fertile soil, they grow up and they bear a hundredfold, right? They produce an abundance of fruit because they're planted in fertile soil. So the serious part that I have for you this morning is, is this, to, with everything in you, cultivate the soil of your heart. As you follow after Christ with all your strength, cling to the body of Christ, cling to the word of God, exhort one another, and seek to have fertile soil. Now, that's a work of God, but you play a part in it as his child. He doesn't force it. He invites you in. So as God is continuing to invite you to abide, continue to cultivate your heart so that that seed can grow up and bear much fruit. Now, listen to this. Jesus says, if you do this, this is one of the most bizarre, mind-blowing promises in Scripture. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I think many of us are scared of that verse because we've asked for things that have not been done for us. Here's what Jesus is saying, I believe. As you abide in Christ, abiding means you're listening to him because he's speaking. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking through, through his people. So as you're abiding, he's speaking. Now, if you are listening, you're abiding. So if you're abiding, you're listening. And as his word comes to you, it actually forms you in such a way that you want the same thing that Jesus wants. So when you ask for it, having abided in him, asking in his name, you're actually asking for the same thing that Jesus is asking for. And guess what? Jesus gets what he wants. Amen? Jesus gets what he wants. He gets what he deserves. He gets what the Father has promised him. This is why David says, grant to me the desires of my heart. What he's actually praying is, take my heart, make it so that I want the same things as you, and then grant it so that I want the same things that you want. So to abide in Jesus, what that means is you want what God wants. And when you want what God wants, you'll ask for what God wants. And when you ask for what God wants, it will surely be done because you're asking for what Jesus wants. Is that not amazing? Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So the reason why Jesus is telling you this, so that your life would be filled with joy. All right, and then this is, this is the word. That was the introduction. This is what I believe God has for you this morning. Jesus says, this is my commandment. So this is the initiation of the promised new covenant. The people of God had been waiting for the new covenant. This is the initiation of it. This is my commandment. Or another translation puts it, a new commandment I have for you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, how has Jesus loved you? If you're to love like he's loved you, how has Jesus loved you? Listen to this. This is so important. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone laid down his life for his friends. Friends. He chooses the word friends. This is God Almighty, Lord of Lords, creator of heaven and earth. There is no greater love than someone laying down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Here's, here's the thing that I'm trying to wrap my mind around, and I've been wrestling with this for months now. Jesus doesn't say the greatest love is the love of a husband and wife. He doesn't say the greatest love is the love of a father or a mother towards his or her children. He doesn't say that the greatest love is siblings for one another or family in the sense of, uh, in the sense of physical family here. No, he says this. There is no greater love than this, a friend laying down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. Now, the world has all sorts of crazy, backwards things to say about love, and it infiltrates our thinking. And what Hallmark and what Disney and what Top 40 Radio and what movies in Hollywood are telling us is the greatest form of love, is a love that feels good to us and satisfies our wants and our needs and our desires. It's a love that is fickle and based on emotions and has nothing to do with commitment and nothing to do with sacrifice. But Jesus says this is the greatest type of love. A friend laying down his life for his friends. I'm a fan of Venn diagrams. Can you see that? There's no other relationship, there's no other form of love that touches every other kind of relationship and every other kind of love like friendship does. If you see this, this is the best way I could think to illustrate it. Hopefully you can see the lines clearly. So with my wife, there's a portion of our relationship that has nothing to do with friendship. We're married and we're committed to one another and... um, And we don't even have to share the same likes 
you know what I mean? We're married. We're committed to one another, and that's a, an important type of love. And yet, there's a portion of our marriage that is friendship. She's my friend, and that's appropriate, and I'm her friend. And that's the same with my children. I remember I reached a certain point in my age, and this is one of the most special things that's ever been said to me. My dad said to me, you're no longer just my son. You're now my friend. And that has always stood out to me like, wow, my dad thinks I'm his friend. And when he looks at me, he views me as his friend. Like, how special is that? And so there's a portion of my relationship with my dad that has nothing to do with friendship. It's that he's my biological dad, and he raised me. And yet, friendship touches that. Friendship touches relationships like classmates and parenting, teammates, coworkers, teachers. You, could, you name it, friendship has the ability to touch that. There's no other type of relationship that has such a broad reach out to touch other, every other form of relationship. You with me? You hanging? So when Jesus says that this is the greatest form of love, it's because it touches everything. There is no greater love than this than a friend laying down his life for his friends. It touches marriage. It touches parenting. It touches coworkers. It touches siblings. It touches every place that Jesus goes. So here's the thought process. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. But he just told us what he commands. What's he command? That you love one another as I have loved you. So friends, those of you who were baptized this morning, those of you who joined our body as covenant members and everyone else in here, what I want to charge you with today is to receive this word, abide in Christ, and to live as a friend of Jesus. Live as his friend. He shared his secrets with you. He shared his mysteries through Christ with you. This is wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles, that the God of the universe looks at you and I and says, no longer do I call you a servant. I call you a friend. Now, if you can believe that, if you can truly hold that in you and abide in that word that you are God's friend and he is your friend, then the possibilities of joy and the possibilities of intimacy with Christ and the possibilities of loving your neighbor as you love yourself are going to open up in a way that is beyond your wildest imaginations. We're to love as Christ loved us. So friends, from this day forward, as you walk out the commitments and the vows that you made today, live as a friend of God and live as a friend of others, bringing that same love to others as he brought to you. This whole conversation was sealed at the Last Supper when Jesus took the bread then and said, now this is the representation of this love, my body broken for you and my blood poured out for you. And so we're going to end our service with communion this morning where we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup and we're going to remember this greatest form of love, this love that Jesus died for you as a friend. He laid down his life for you as a friend. If you have a relationship with Christ as your Lord and Savior, we welcome you, whether or not you're a member of our church, we, we welcome you to partake with us. How we, how we take communion here at Parker Ford is we have deacons that serve on either side.
we would ask that you come up the center aisle, receive the elements, and return to your seat um, on the outside aisles. So you come up the center, receive the elements, and go down to your seats uh, through the outward aisles. The, the praise team is going to be playing music, so you take it at your, own, um, at your own pace whenever you're ready. And you can take the elements back to your seat and partake of them whenever you feel like your spirit, your heart is ready. One thing I would ask is the scriptures are clear. There's one major thing that would keep us, besides not being a follower of Christ, there's one major thing. <laughs> there's one thing that would keep us from, from taking, and that's if we're holding a fence towards someone in our hearts. So it, if, if you're holding a fence in your heart towards someone, you're unwilling to forgive them, I would ask that you not take this morning. Um, because the word of God is clear. We are to forgive as we've been forgiven. And Jesus has forgiven you in every single way. There is nothing he has not forgiven in Christ, which means you are to do the same thing. And I am to do the same thing. But other than that, if you have a relationship with Christ, joyfully partake. And if you need to, if you need to wrestle with God through that right now, you can do it right now. It doesn't have to be through penance or anything like that. Like, release it to God. That's all it takes is saying, I have offense. I'm releasing it to you. I recognize that. I confess that. And I release that to you. So in, in the conversation of Jesus saying that we are his friends, that's when he took the bread and he broke and said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, uh, this is my blood poured out for you. As often as you drink this, um, do it in remembrance of me. So let's uh, join in prayer, and then we're going to go into the time of participating in the Lord's Supper. Father, the weight of those words have yet to fully sink in for me. I, I know that, uh, and, and I've been seeking after a greater understanding of this, that greater love has no one than this, than that someone laid down his life for his friends. And I feel like you're digging ever deeper in me, trying and causing me to understand that more fully. But I pray that, that today each of us would grasp the nature of your love in a new and profound way. Understanding that God has called us his friends and has laid down his life for us through Christ. We remember you today, God. We, we, it's because of the blood and body of Christ that, that we go through the waters of baptism. It's because of the blood and body of Christ that we become covenanted, loving members of a local congregation. It's because of your blood, because of, of your body broken for us that we have forgiveness and right standing with you. The reason we are justified is because we are justified through the sacrifice of Christ. The reason we have salvation and hope for a future is because of the salvation of Christ. The, the reason we can love one another as you have loved is because you have first loved us by laying down your life. We worship you and adore you, Jesus. And we remember you this morning. And to your name we pray, amen. We want to go into a really special time of worship to, to end our service. So after you've taken the elements, I invite you to stand and sing with us and let's just celebrate with all our hearts and sing like we've never sung before, just thanking Jesus for everything he's done.